Happy Wednesday evening, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Vintage McCoy. I've been gone for a little bit. I was officiating Charlie Kirk's wedding, so he married Erica Franz Vey, and the two of them are in the Turks Caicos on their honeymoon, so it went off with a hitch. Uh, it was a lovely wedding, uh, small gathering, about 50, 60 people, just precious as can be, and uh, they make a lovely married couple. And so I just uh, was gone, and I was thankful for Seth Gruber as he was filling in. Solid stuff with Seth as he has been contending in Chattanooga, Tennessee. You, that, that city has uh, closed down their abortion clinics. They did that in 1993, and they're trying to bring them back, and Seth was out there contending, and they're still standing strong. We also have news that in Lubbock, Texas, uh, another large city, uh, one of the largest in uh, Texas as, as well as the United States, also uh, forbidding abortion clinics in their city. So they're making some, uh, some ground, and I'm, I'm so thankful for the work of Seth Gruber. We love him. Seth, thanks for filling in for me. But tonight, Wednesday night, we've got some fun things in store for you. We're going to take a look at Israel with uh, the over 500 rockets that were launched into the Gaza Strip and why that's happening. We're also going to take a look at a comment by one of uh, President Biden's cabinet members speaking on the vaccine and vaccine passports and all that fun stuff. And then in addition to all that, we're going to take a look at uh, Governor Gavin Newsom and uh, some of the stuff he's pulling. He's talking about surpluses in a state that leads the nation in debt. That's a funky way to look at things. So we'll see that in a moment. But in the meantime, we're going to go for the introduction that I've come to adore that takes us back into history and why history matters. So buckle up and here we go. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. Together, we will make America great again. I have never been more hopeful about America. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The advance of human liberty can only strengthen the cause of world peace. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. But because of the Watergate matter, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. One small step for man. to be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of the Arsene. We shall pay any price, bear any dirt, uphold any foe to ensure the survival and the success of liberty. It is indeed we are the defenders of freedom. With the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph. So help us God. We hold these truths be self-evident that all men are created one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Those who forget the past are destined to And now, your host, Pastor Rob McCoy. I never tire of watching that introduction because it takes us through that timeline of history and goes back and shows us why history matters. And then you see the technology with the rocket ship. And America's excelled in these 244 years of unprecedented freedom. Uh, I was, I was in um, Florida, and I got on an elevator in the hotel, and there were two, actually three young children with their mother. The mother had double masks. The kids were masked. 
and I wasn't wearing a mask, and, and I was on the elevator first. I said, would you like me to get off? Because you, you seem to be concerned. They said, well, no, we'll be okay. And they got on the elevator, and uh, the little girl was just very inquisitive, asking all kinds of questions uh, of her mother. And I turned to the little child, and I said, did you know that an American invented this elevator you're on? And, uh, and she marveled, Elisha Otis. And I said, uh, an American also invented the air conditioner that, that cools this building that you're in. An American also invented the airplane that people fly in to go across the world. America is a wonderful, wonderful nation. We've had more freedom. That's why we've had so many inventions. And the little girl turned to her mommy and said, Mommy, is that true? And the mom looked at her and said, I think so, dear. And I said, it's all true. And you might want to teach the kids that. It's very exciting to be an American, dear. And I got off the elevator and I think I just red-pilled all three of those children and the mom. So I was stoked by that. America is a wonderful nation. Uh, but we are in jeopardy right now. Our freedoms are being taken from us as we speak. And we see what happens when evil wants to infiltrate and destroy uh, a nation that is ruled by law. You see, from the moral law comes civil law. There's two nations on the face of the earth that hold to the moral law in a sense of understanding the significance of it. Uh, this nation, uh, in our birth certificate, said that uh, we have been endowed by our Creator with these inalienable rights. We recognize God four times in our Declaration of Independence. But fascinatingly enough, another nation that has its birth certificate thousands of years before our own was Israel itself. And archaeologists are in Israel are contending to find archaeological discoveries to defend their possession of that land. And they're secularist uh, archaeologists, but they... Everywhere where the Bible says something is, they tend to find it, and they're excited about that. And I've been there many, many times, and I, I love that nation. There's something special happening. One of the most peaceful places I've ever been is around the Sea of Galilee. And we're going to take a trip uh, in October of this year with a number of folks. I also want to take a church trip. And if any of you who are tuning in to Vintage McCoy want to be a part of that, we'll advertise a trip. You can join us. When I take the trip, and I've done it with many folks, I, I was the one, I was a teaching pastor for a trip with Senator Rand Paul, uh, with Governor Rick Perry. I went on one with Governor Mike Huckabee. Uh, I went on one with the Republican Lieutenant Governors Association. I was a teaching pastor for the Republican National Committee members. I've been over there over 10 times. And I love to go there because I love to share with people the significance that as you go upstream, when your streams of liberty dry up and you go upstream, you find that the source of liberty is God. God is the one who's come to set the captives free. And we're watching right now in that land of liberty where liberty was conceived, where three to five million Jews enslaved in Egypt found a place to call home and God granted them that land and gave them the deed of that land because this earth is the Lord's. It's His air, His water, His dirt. And it's His food, and we're going to live by His rules. And He gave us this downloaded moral app, the Decalogue, on Mount Sinai, and three to five million Jews who lived in the wilderness lived there without a police force or a standing army because from moral law comes civil law. And any nation conceived in that liberty and dedicated to that proposition <clears throat> will always be the point of attack of anyone who wants to suppress liberty. And so we're finding in Israel itself uh, there isn't a large tourist industry right now in Israel because, sadly, they're requiring um, folks to be immunized. And most of the folks that travel to Israel are evangelical Christians, and they're the last that really want to have immunization. Uh, our 
the government stops where our skin begins. And for a virus, it has a 99% survival rate. And now they're telling us they want to use us as lab rats. Uh, most folks just aren't interested. And so we've watched 4,000 deaths has been reported. That's more than all deaths combined of all, um, I guess, vaccines since the late 80s. Uh, of, of deaths accumulated by vaccines since the late 80s. So there's still some bugs to be worked out. And if you've taken the vaccine, that's not to, you know, discredit you or be upset. I'm just saying these are statistics that we need to look at and folks are still skeptical. So Israel's suffering in their tourism industry, which is their number one moneymaker, or one of them anyways. And in addition, not only is tourism down because folks don't want to travel there with the requirements that their state has, but we're also watching now as Hamas and a number of their Muslim nations that surround Israel, especially along the Gaza Strip, 500 rockets have been fired into Tel Aviv, which is a coastal city. It's kind of the secular city of Israel. It's where all the hipsters go, and it's kind of their banking center of Israel. Uh, it's very metropolitan. It's a, a place that people like to live, and uh, there's, there's a... Uh, dance halls, discotheques, I don't know, whatever you call them. I don't frequent those. But it's a place you go if you want to party. And Tel Aviv, you know, most of them are kind of secular and they're liberal in their, their political ideas. But I'll tell you what, when the rockets start launching uh, out of into Gaza, folks in Tel Aviv all of a sudden become real conservative and they become very nationalistic and want to protect those borders. There's nothing more frightening than being threatened by an enemy who wants to invade your borders. And when those siren sounds go off, and I've heard them as I've been in Israel before, and you shelter in place as these rockets are coming down, I have to say there's never been a tourist who's ever been lost in Israel as far as I am aware of, and I've done my research. Uh, they do their best to protect the tourists there. But being a citizen of Israel, you're targeted. But nobody deals with terrorism better than Israel, and they have become experts in dealing with it. Well, now their enemies have launched 500 rockets into Israel, and they have created what's called the Iron Dome. I actually met the inventor of the Iron Dome when I was in Israel. I'd show you a picture, but he's kind of secret, and that's mine to enjoy, not yours. Anyways, here's a clip of some of these rockets being launched into the Gaza Strip, where I've been. I was actually there with the lieutenant governors. We were looking across into the border of the other country. There was a turret there. And the guide said, you all might want to stay down. You don't want to face any snipers, which was interesting because we were with some folks that really their, their uh, security had to be protected. It is an interesting place. We were on a kibbutz there where the children have to learn to run into bunker, bunkers when the sirens go. And my heart went out to them when I saw this news and I saw these clips. So take a look at this. This is the nation of Israel, this sovereign nation, rockets being launched into a sovereign nation into the Gaza Strip. Take a look.
just so you understand, the, uh, the equivalent of that would be like living in San Diego and having Tijuana launch rockets. You don't have a lot of time to respond or get to a bunker. And many people are killed. Now, they're not very accurate, the rockets themselves, but they have created a defense mechanism to take those rockets out of the sky. It's been pretty effective. You have a very short window to intercept them and destroy them before they land. And this is called the Iron Dome. Here's a clip of the Iron Dome intercepting these rockets as they're coming in. Take a look at this uh, amazing technology. Of the 500 rockets that were launched, I believe about 150 of them made it through, and they landed in areas that didn't have great significance. It's still just frightening. This sovereign nation being attacked it, within their borders. Now, it's all because Israel is taking out some of these terrorist leaders within their borders. They're dealing with the uh, intrusion of their sovereignty. But uh, keep the nation of Israel in prayer. Uh, this is an awful situation and just imagine what it would be like for you if you lived in California and a nation that bordered you was launching rockets and you had very short time to find safety. Uh, that's what Tel Aviv is facing. That's the Gaza Strip. Been there, seen those folks, and um, they, they would really do well to receive your prayers. So keep them in mind. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, Governor Newsom. Uh, he is trying to somehow regain the popularity of the California people. He is facing a recall. I don't know how that's going to happen. I actually met with someone who is running for governor, uh, a pastor, Sam Gallucci. I met with him today. He is one of those that has thrown his hat in the ring to run for the governor of the state of California. And as I was talking with him, I said, you know, not many folks know what's going to transpire with this recall. It could be that the supermajority of the California State Senate and the supermajority of the California State Assembly, when I say supermajority, Democrat supermajority, that they could just slow walk this recall effort uh, all the way up until uh, the end of, of Governor Newsom's term. Maybe he resigns and then he appoints someone else. They've got all kinds of shenanigans in their little trick bag that they want to pull. They want to take away the authority of the American people. As we're watching now, not H.R. 1, but now Senate Bill 1 pass through committee, we're hoping that Senator Manchin, Joe Manchin, and Kirsten Sinema, uh, the two Democrat senators, one from West Virginia and one from Arizona, are not going to allow the filibuster to be destroyed. Uh, it seems as though uh, the Democrats are doing everything they can to try to federalize uh, America's elections and that will be catastrophic and completely deadly to this republic. And that's what they're out for. That's what they're after. And we've experienced that here in California. We're watching as the people themselves put a recall on the ballot, and we have no date for when that's going to occur. 
Uh, the legislature is slow walking it, and we're watching in, in the federal government with Senator Schumer and uh, uh, Congresswoman Pelosi, they're doing the same thing that we faced here in California. And if this is, if, if what's happening in California happens nationwide, the republic as we know it is in great jeopardy. Keep in prayer, uh, Senator Joe Manchin. Keep in prayer, uh, Senate, uh, Senator Sinema. Uh, Those two, they are the, the, the wall that separates the destruction of the ability of a constitutional republic as our constitution will be violated completely as they thrust this upon the American people and take away uh, a vote that would even count or matter as they're going to open it up for weeks and you won't need any identification and everyone's allowed to vote. And we all know that when the federal government controls something, and, and by the way, in, in case you're wondering, one of the reasons why they're wanting to defund the police is not because they're angry at the police. They, they want these cities in riots and they want it to be a mess. They want these cities to be bankrupt and destitute so they can call for a federal police force so they can centralize the power and take it away from we the people. You see, rights are like muscles. Uh, if you don't exercise them or if you don't use them, you're going to lose them. And all of us must be aware of these times. And now, as the people have spoken, uh, the governor wants to step back a little bit from his tyranny and try to once again appeal to the, the people of California, the citizens of California. And so he thinks the best way to do it is to give them money. Well, it's money we don't have uh, because we as, a na or, excuse me, we as a state lead the rest of the nation in debt. He's talking about this unbelievable surplus in the budget. Uh, the way he does this, he pretzels himself to try to explain it. But here, here's the governor in his own words. Take a look at it. California is not coming back. California is going to come roaring back. $75.7 billion operating budget surplus. Today, we're announcing $12 billion tax rebate to the people of the state of California, earning up to $75,000. Let me put that in perspective. That tax rebate will impact just shy of 80% of all tax filers will get a direct stimulus check, will get a direct relief payment because of this announcement. Two-thirds of all Californians will benefit from this stimulus. Uh, that's an interesting one. And the average rebate check is going to be about $600, which is the equivalent of the cost of an appetizer plate at the French Laundry restaurant that our governor uh, enjoyed a meal without a mask, shoulder to shoulder, with our health director of the state of California when he was telling the rest of us we weren't allowed to dine in and we had to wear masks and we had to sit out in the freezing cold, but not for the governor. He's going to give us all $600 back of the unbelievable taxes he's already squeezed from us. We lead the nation in taxes and debt. Uh, we can't give them enough of our money and they can't spend enough of it, and they've still managed to accumulate more debt than the rest of the nation uh, California proposes tripling spending on stimulus checks. He's going to do that. And he's saying it's because we have a surplus in the budget. Let me read to you some of these things. California Governor Newsom on Monday proposed a $100 billion economic stimulus plan that would triple the state's direct cash assistance program to reach an estimated two-thirds of residents. Residents, not citizens. The announcement comes, as Mr. Newsom said, the state is expecting an unprecedented $75.7 billion state budget surplus due largely to booming tax revenues from wealthy residents. The budget proposal, if passed by the legislature, would spend $600 tax rebate checks to households making up to $75,000.
an additional 500 to families if they have children. The cost of the new checks is about $8.1 billion. So uh, they have a surplus of $75.7 billion, but they're going to give us back $8 billion of our own dollars. That's really generous of them. Wow, that's so sweet. And then also, let's go back to that next slide. I didn't finish that last portion. In the next slide, it says California's recovery is well underway, but we can't be satisfied with simply going back to the way things were, Newsom said in a statement. Well, I don't know where he's going now, but where we were was terrible. But this seems like a road to absolute destruction. Take a look at this. U.S. states with the most and least amount of debt in 2020. Oh, where's California? Number nine. Total assets, total liabilities. We have 362, what is that, billion dollars? I mean, that's insane. The, and, and that's not even talking, listen, folks, that's not talking about our unfunded pension liabilities, which puts us number one in the country. These pensions, nobody talks about. Good luck finding transparency in our state government in regards to pension liabilities, unfunded pension liabilities. Take a look at this U.S. debt clock for California. Population of almost 40 million people. We have about 6 million unemployed. 4 million of them are on food stamps. But the gross domestic production is $3 trillion. And then we go over there to the debt, $580 billion. That's with a B. And again, that's their clock. The other was the states. And both of them don't include pension liabilities. Debt to gross domestic production ratio is 19%. Could you imagine getting that kind of return on your money? Well, that's what we're losing in California. And, and this is just tragic. We are outspending every year. We bring in 615,000 and we spend 600, and, excuse me, 615 billion. We spend 670 billion. The debt per citizen. $14,577. But don't worry, 75% of us, not citizens, but residents are going to get an appetizer check for the French laundry. Thanks, Governor Newsom. You are an absolute treasure. And you wonder why we want to recall you. And of course, you've got all your cronies in the state assembly and the state senate who are slow walking that. And like they really care about us, we the people, well, it's time we get new folks to govern for us because we no longer give you our consent. And listen, folks, you can't sit silently back and bemoan the situation of California. You got to activate and get involved, all of us. And we're going to be talking about that more in upcoming episodes of how to do it locally. Uh, we are launching this across the country and we are going to address local politics in California. Uh, and we are each going to take our responsibility to do so. So, with that being said, I'm going to pick that up in a later episode, but I want to transition because, listen, I was, I was flying on the airlines and they are militant about masks and you got to take the mask down and, and if you keep that down too long, you're allowed to eat in this tube that recycles the air uh, and you're allowed to eat and that virus, which I haven't heard of anyone recently contracting it, but apparently it's still such that it's a federal mandate and they just pepper you through uh, all the walkways in the airport. Everywhere you go, there's, you know, public statements. And, and it's gotten to the point where you've memorized it and they beat you down with this. And, and these flight attendants tell you you got to wear it and you got to mask up and you, you got to put it back on after every bite and take it back down. And, and it's just on and on and on. And it's exhausting. 
And, and, and we're looking at it, we're thinking, what are they preparing us for? And, and really, is this just control? And, and then you're thinking, well, we're all gonna get back to normal. No, we aren't, we're not getting back to normal. And, and we, we have liberties and we have freedom. Uh, no, we don't. We're, I, I saw this meme. It was classic. It showed two rats talking to each other. One rat said to the other, are you going to get the vaccination? And the other rat said, I didn't know that they were done testing humans yet. Well, I thought that was kind of funny. If there are people here, they'd laugh with me, but I'm just in a room by myself. But anyways, I have to say this. I'm tired of being the guinea pig especially with over 4,000 deaths. And there's just one guy left reporting it on the national news, and that's Tucker Carlson. We'll take a look at that momentarily. But there is um, an interesting statement by one of the counselors to the president of the United States. His name is Jeffrey Zients. Take a look at what he said. Look at this, this picture here. He said, we'll allow vaccinated, allow, by the way, we'll allow. That's really sweet of them. I mean, we do have, you know, inalienable rights, but he's going to allow vaccinated people more and more privileges. So there's a two-tier system. There's the, the haves and the have-nots. Uh, I never thought that occurred in America. We will allow vaccinated people more and more privileges, privileges, because they're the king. Well, it's not a constitutional republic anymore. We, we have to beg the king for privileges to take off the mask if, if you adhere to our CDC guidelines, which are an ever-moving goalpost that you can never, it's like Lucy with the football. Uh, no, I'm not going to lift my finger this time. I promise I'll hold it. And every time we try to adhere by their policies, they just move the football. And uh, th there we are in the United States. They'll allow privilege, blah, blah, blah. It gets a little annoying. Take a look at this clip if you think I made up the statement. This is him saying it. The light at the end of the tunnel is brighter and brighter. Let's keep up our guard. Let's follow the CDC guidance. And the CDC guidance across Time will allow vaccinated people more and more privileges to take off that mask. You know what that light is at the end of the tunnel? It's an oncoming train. That's what the light is. Meep, meep. It's, it's not hope. It's not salvation. Government just loves to mess with us, and it's all about control. Wear the mask. We'll tell you when you can have your privileges. We'll control you. Here's Tucker, one of the last true journalists remaining in America. Tucker Carlson on this whole mess. Love this guy. When did masklessness become a privilege? For thousands of years, until about 12 months ago, masklessness was the global status quo. Virtually everyone on Earth lived without masks. That was not considered weird. Masks were weird. They were unhealthy and menacing. Yet Jeffrey Zients has just informed us that things have changed. Going forward, not wearing a mask, even after you've been vaccinated, is, quote, a privilege. A privilege. I have to be careful because I don't like to disclose people whose permission I haven't been granted, but I was on a flight to a location and I sat next to, and it was, it, 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 I think it was divine intervention because I was supposed to be in another seat and they moved me to this seat. And there was an empty aisle and next to me was somebody wearing double masks. I could tell they were not of my political persuasion. And um, we made small talk and they were giggling and uh, I cracked a couple jokes and they were laughing and began to ask some questions what they do for a living because people don't so much want to know about you. They want you to know about them. And I, I really do enjoy people. And as I started to ask this person about their life, they were very kind to open up their life to me and share. I don't have great hearing, so listening through a double mask is difficult. So I was leaning in and, and they were talking more and more and um, and 
they were going on vacation to visit family members. They were scared. They hadn't been out in quite a while. And I shared with them, I said, you don't have a lot to be worried about. And I started to go through some of the data that I was well-versed on. And I told them about the virus itself that even contracting, it's not something that you have to be overly overwhelmed by. I said, do you have any comorbidities? Do you have diabetes? Do you have any heart issues? No, I don't. I said, then you have a wonderful, wonderful chance. As a matter of fact, I'd be more concerned that you'd catch the flu or a cold on this plane. And I, I just said, you're going to be okay. And as a matter of fact, being out in the sunlight is going to do you a lot of good. And being around people, I said, did you know that we had the highest number of opioid deaths ever recorded in a 12-month period in American history? He said, no. I said, yeah, people don't like to be alone. They said, oh, I hate it. I've been through so much depression. I said, I understand. And we started to talk. Then some food came. They took their mask off to eat. And I said, boy, we could catch it right now. Everybody's masked down in the circulating air. And all of a sudden, we're not afraid anymore because we're putting food in our gullet. And they laughed some more. And then finally, they said, I'm having a problem breathing through both of them. I said, it doesn't do you any good. It's like throwing sand through a chain link fence. I, I, I said, look, I wear the mask because I can't fly otherwise. I don't have a private plane, so I play by their rules. But I just want you to know, we're not plants. We don't photosynthesize. You need oxygen. And they giggled again, and they only put one mask on. And then as we were coming in to our location, getting ready to land, they said, what do you do for a living? I said, oh, you don't want to ask me that. And they said, why? I said, because ah, we're not going to get along as well as we did before if I tell you what I do. And they said, well, no, what do you do? Because they weren't churchgoers and they didn't have any faith and all that had come through as they were just talking. I said, well, I'm a minister. I'm a pastor of a church. I'm actually political. I once held office and, and I, I do this across the country. And as I took my mask off, they saw my face. They said, wait a minute, I've seen you before. And I said, well, maybe. And they started to share where they had seen me before. And we both kind of smiled and started laughing. And I said, I bet you you probably wouldn't have engaged me in a conversation if I wasn't wearing the mask uh, because you probably would have recognized me. But because I was masked, all of a sudden you were endeared to me because we enjoyed each other's company. And I've really enjoyed yours and they said, no, it's been very enlightening. And as a matter of fact, I feel so much better. And I'm grateful that I had a chance to sit with you. And I said, well, I'm grateful to have had the privilege to sit with you. Uh, and and they were really neat people. As a matter of fact, I, I invited them to dinner. And they're going to bring their friend and spend some time with us. And so that's what we do in America. We get to know one another. The tragedy is they want to keep us separated. And they certainly don't want us to talk about topics that would enlighten people's lives and take away their fear. And all of a sudden, people that we were scared of, all of a sudden, were friends coming off the plane, exchanged numbers. And all of a sudden, that made America a little bit more like a family. Folks, people aren't the enemy. They're the opportunity. And you know what? Get to know them before you start inundating them with all your facts and figures. Learn a, bit, a little bit about their life. Let them know you care because you, you better. And, and as you start to ask questions and encourage them and spend time with them, and not so much wanting to be heard, but make sure you get to hear them and listen to them. Sincerely, God gave you two ears and one mouth. If you do twice as much listening as you do talking, when you do speak, your words will have far more impact in their life because they know you're someone who can be trusted. And so, that was a wonderful week for me. I hope it inspires you and encourages you. We're up against some tough things in America, but we're going to win this one heart at a time. And that means that you got to step into places you're uncomfortable with and get to know people that you normally wouldn't associate with. 
and then listen to him and realize you love him. Because truth without love, that's just brutality. And love without truth is hypocrisy. You want to speak the truth in love. And the way you love him, get to know him. Talk to him. Listen. Ask him questions. Do more listening than you do talking. And again, when you do talk, a servant speaks when he's spoken to. And he offers his opinion when he's asked. I would have never told them what I did for a living unless they asked me. And they did. And I even said, no, you don't want to know. And they said, no, we do. And when I told them, it didn't hurt them that much. As a matter of fact, they were kind of shocked. They were surprised that they would actually like someone of a profession of the cloth when they despised church and religion. They started to realize it does have a place in America. And they realized that the people that they had been told to fear were people they actually enjoyed as friends. That's a cool way to approach life. So I'm glad to be back with you all. I'll see you tomorrow night. God bless you. And thanks for joining us on Vintage McCoy. Good night, everybody. Hey guys, thanks for watching. For more information, head over to VintageMcCoy.com or follow us on Instagram at The Vintage McCoy. We'll see you there.